0: this is Emeka and Alandris and you're listening to the So Far Us podcast. The 30-minute podcast where we break down a trending topic centering the discussion on the Black millennial woman's experience and explore what it means for us by answering with So For Us. Now let's break down this episode's trending topic.
1: the ahmaud aubrey case escalated back in march we have endured multiple assaults towards the black community from amy cooper in the new york area reporting a black man to the police for telling her to put her dog on a leash as he watched birds to the murders of sean reed george floyd rayshard brooks and brianna taylor by police malcolm x's quote the most unprotected person in America is the black woman is often recited when it comes to the assault of our bodies. And it is for this reason there have been conversations within the community for the consideration of gun ownership, especially in open carry states. In this episode, we will break down what protection looks like for us. This is Alandris. So for me, I have struggled with the idea of gun ownership. With the way things are going in our country, I go back and forth with wanting to have one. What happens if I pull a gun out in the event someone breaks into my house? Do I have the strength to even take a life? What happens if I'm pulled over and I have my weapon on me and I have a, a license showing proof that I should be able to carry my weapon? Will I end up like Philando Castile? As a black woman, if I stand my ground to protect my family, will the law protect me the same way it protected George Zimmerman? So I'm conflicted on the issue of gun ownership as a form of protection. And to be perfectly honest, I often struggle with, what does that look like for me as a black woman? How will I be protected?
0: This is a mecca.
1: So for us,
0: the assault on our bodies come in so many forms and in so many different ways. Um, there's, of course, the police brutality um, aspects, um, and so many uh, Black women lives have been unjustly taken um, in those situations, um, and then related to that, you know, you think about the protests and the activists. And so, of course, Oluotolian, um Salau comes to mind, um, who was also murdered and raped. And This is really, this is a really difficult uh, topic. Um, Going back to what Alanda shared about the quotes from Malcolm X just about how unprotected Black women are. Then you also think about domestic violence. And when you look at some of the statistics that are out there, you know, 31.5% of women will experience domestic violence at some point in their lives. But for Black women, it's 40%. And for Black women, we're 2.5 times more likely than white women to be murdered by a man. And 92% of those murders are by someone we know. 56% are by someone that is a current or former partner you think of the stories of the women who are murdered just for I mean I wouldn't even call it rejecting someone who is a stranger but not showing an interest in them um it is <laughs> It's really difficult to be a black woman in this country for so many reasons. Um, I want you to stop and think about the physical assaults and the physical dangers for us. Um, you even think about things like the disparity and maternal death. You know, the United States has. Very poor outcomes when it comes to childbirth and maternal health compared to the rest of the Western world. Um, But then that's even worse (laughs) for Black women in the United States. Um, I think about what Michelle Obama recently shared. On her podcast, Um, she said, I know that I'm dealing with some form of low-grade depression, not just because of the quarantine, but because of the racial strife and just seeing this administration, watching the hypocrisy of it day in and day out is dispiriting. And that goes to like this other form, like assault on the Black Woman's body, it's not even just physical. That stuff adds up mentally and emotionally. Um, And whether it is abuse, mental, emotional, or physical, from someone you know, from someone you don't know, from the police, um, worrying about your family members, your children, your sons, your daughter, your uncle, your father your friends, your loved ones, um, yeah, (laughs) it's, um, it's really hard, um, to think about, but it is important to think about, and I think that that is part of, um, how we try to protect ourselves to the best of our ability to do so, I mean you continue to bring awareness to these things, you continue to educate um ourselves as well as others. you strengthen yourself in whatever form that may be um it might be um taking self defense classes, it might be um Getting licensed for a handgun and getting carrying a handgun with you. Um, For some, it's building community, um, being a part of support groups, prayer, um, leaving toxic situations and relationships with red flags, um, seeking help. Um, I think it's it's not one answer, and honestly. Getting a gun is not going to um, solve all of these things or guarantee that you are protected. For some of us, having a gun may actually make us more fearful, right? Because then you have a gun in your household, you think about the statistics of Um, you know, accidental shootings with children and things like that. For others, you're very comfortable with guns. Maybe you've taken, you know, training courses, um, so you feel very comfortable. Or some of us may, you know, grown up with it, or maybe our family, you know, went hunting and things like that. Uh, So I think it really depends on you. Um, The answer is not going to, be the same for everyone. Um, But it is important that we take the time to process those things that are weighing heavy on us, or those things that are in our lives or environment that are especially a danger for us. Um, And then from there, process that and determine what's the best and healthiest way for me individually, knowing who I am and my experiences, um, to make myself feel as protected as I can feel, um, and to get closer to some form of wholeness, um, yeah
1: so for us when it comes to the protection of black women and what does that look like i've gone back and forth uh, with the idea of gun ownership, for some of the same reasons that you've uh, listed. So, the idea of the high rates of children uh, shooting themselves on accident is one of my number one concerns, because uh, I have a six-year-old and a three-month-old, and I I, I struggle with that because I probably would not be in a good mental place if something like that ever happened in my household. Um, I don't even know how I would be able to come back from that. And so um, gun ownership is a a tough one for me. It's not that easy, although I grew up in a household where um, my family hunted, um, guns were normal. I lived in a open carry state in Louisiana. Uh, Just by everybody and your mama had a gun. Uh, It's just, it's not an easy decision for me. There's also the aspect of, am I willing to take someone's life to protect mine? I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have that in me. But uh, again, I haven't been put in that situation. But I do have a real fear for, um, my life as a Black woman because we are so unprotected. I think about Breonna Taylor all the time and how, you know, she should not have died. She should not have been in that situation at all. And no one is being held accountable to this day and it's five months later. And if we don't, as a nation, don't have the... the care to... Uh, to even look at someone like that and say, even in death, we don't value your body. Then what does that say? What does that say about the living? So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, and, and this is also to our audience, how are you prepared to protect yourself? What are some ways that you're considering protecting yourself? Um, in this climate that we're in,
0: um, I don't, I don't think I have figured that out yet. I think I'm still processing it. I, like you, have questioned what would be the mental and emotional ramifications if I did take someone's life, but also, like you, or like I think you said or suggested. I've not been in a situation where I think it reached a point where I would have to make that decision about whether or not I'm going to take someone's life to protect myself. Um, Because obviously if you get to that point where it's like my life or theirs and they mean to do me harm, I'm sure that is a different (laughs) mental space than just kind of, thinking about it in my head when I'm not really faced with that choice. Um, But in experiences, the idea of it has, the idea of having to protect myself has come up. I've had situations where I live where I was being harassed by someone. I called the police, it's someone who lived here. The police came and they had to come back out again I told them the person's car, Um, the car was in the garage, so they had the license plate, but for whatever reason, they felt they couldn't or didn't have the authority to find out where the person lived to actually go and address them. They claimed that if they actually saw the person, they would be able to address it, but they weren't willing to go the extra step of getting the address of someone who lived in the same apartment to go confront them about this um
1: that's insane and
0: basically they told me um that I should go get pepper spray um
1: that is that is insane and goes against everything that we see happening today yeah because and that was a we few don't years much ago much to...
0: that was a few years ago probably two or three um and then on top of that, recently, more recently, I was driving to finally go and visit my family in Austin after not having seen them practically all year. Um, I finally felt more... Rarely leave the house. I do not see friends. I have not seen... than my dad. Uh, so um on the drive there because we are in Texas and driving between Dallas and Austin you know you go through a lot of small towns yeah. um and areas and i drove past a truck that had a well had a few stickers one sticker said um something about proud to be a redneck one had a confederate flag um, and there was another one I couldn't read that had the word pride with it. And you know, that's not new. I've seen confederate flags, I've seen huge Confederate flags on trucks here in mm-hmm. Texas. So that's like not a new thing. But in the current climate and with thoughts that I've had and thinking about protection of me, my family, loved ones, other people. Uh, and things that have been occurring more frequently. I had this sense of, am I in danger when I pass them and they see this Black woman who's by herself in this relatively nice car driving? Um, Mm -hmm. Are those just stickers, or are they... um, Well, they're not, they're never just stickers, but I'm saying, are they the type where, you know, obviously there are random acts of violence. Are they the type to be like, oh, this is a black person she's by herself. Let's go attack her because it was multiple white men in the truck. And not only was I thinking about that, honestly, I thought to myself, even if I called a cop in this small, random Texas town, would they protect me? Or what if they're part of the same group?
1: Which is historically likely.
0: In that moment, I was like, this would be a good, not a good time, but I would feel more protected if I did have a gun. I don't know if I could take their lives, but I know I would feel a lot more safer than being in this car with nothing but this two year old pepper spray that probably doesn't even work anymore.
1: Gotcha. Um, And I have a stun gun because of that. Like I I have pepper spray and a stun gun. Um, but even so you know, with a stun
0: gun you have to be gun. like right on the person
1: right 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 so
0: if they're shooting you they're probably not can't be close up. enough for you
1: <laughs> right right and nine times out of ten they're probably tra- tactically trained to deal with pepper spray because there have been uh talks of militias training themselves in that manner preparing for uh, this so-called race war um and that it's interesting that you brought that up because it made me think of the young woman, um, the representative in Michigan, who was protected by a black militia. Remember when the uh, these this really huge white mob showed up without masks and their guns, saying you need to open up the the city or the state or whatever it is they whatever they wherever they were, um, and threatening uh, someone, uh, threatening political figures. And it's like you're threatening a political figure with a weapon. This is, if anything, isn't isn't that treasonous for you to try to threaten someone with an assault rifle, right? So this black representative, God forbid, uh, God forgive me, I don't remember her name, but she was protected by four black militia. Um, men and women, I believe it was men and women who showed up with their AR-15s and they surrounded her and walked her up the steps because of this white militia group that decided to go in and threaten congressional figures. And so I think about uh, the history of the Black Panthers and how they decided to protect their people, us essentially. Would we not benefit for from some sort of black militia that protects black women, especially those of us who are not on the fence, uh, those of us who are not fully comfortable having guns on our own. You know, I would feel more comfortable if the NAFC, the Not F and Around Coalition, existed out here in Texas, uh, in our area, in the DFW, and they had their own chapter and said. Whenever black women are trying to congregate or trying to do something or are going somewhere, here we are to protect them. I would love to see that happen again. One, I could see we'd finally have better gun laws after that, because the same thing would happen as it did when the Black, party, uh, the black Panther Party um, decided to show up in California with their, with their guns. And laws change towards guns. I'd also think that um, community policing would be in a much better state than it is now. So when, when you're talking
0: about militia and community policing, I, I think about, does that mean that we have to all live in the same area? Because when you were talking about the... Um, the government official who those militias protected. Um, So she was one person, because it's one thing to say, protect us when we do an event or things like that. But individually speaking, how do we protect ourselves? I was thinking about the black woman in, I believe, Long Island, who neighbors were, um, her neighbors were, I guess, like harassing her. And mm-hmm. so she left like this long message about it like on her door. And then that kind of I think got highlighted in some of the media. And then there was a group of black men who took turns sitting outside mm-hmm. of her house
1: mm-hmm. to
0: basically guard her, right? Um, so that was really interesting. I don't know if they're still doing it or how they, they are. plan to do it. Okay.
1: Um and but more from people an have an individual
0: joined them. perspective how do we feel protected? Because that's great if I know there's some militia out there, a group of people who said I'm taking on the duty and responsibility of making sure that Black women aren't protected, but that wouldn't have made me feel protected when I was driving to Austin and encountered those group of men in that truck. So right. from an individual perspective, just going back to that, because we're talking about individual gun ownership,
1: Hmm. yeah I can How, see that like where you would need it individually too but I think when it comes to the protection of black women I think we may have to think start thinking a little bit more outside the box as a community and when it comes to our protection so that may be going back to the times where um, and I can't speak for everybody's experience when I grew up our neighbors knew each other so when I was out and about my neighbors would call our home and say, hey, we just saw her down We saw landers down the street. She was doing all right. She's playing, you know, um, are you going to be working late? Do you need us to make sure she's fed before before you get home? Like stuff like that. But what
0: does that look like when you don't live in a neighborhood that looks like you? And maybe your neighbors don't really care for the fact that you're there. In other words, they don't really want you there. Right. Um, And so that's how do you do that in those situations?
1: So there are some black neighborhood groups um, Mm -hmm. like there's a black mom group that I'm a part of and they live in certain cities. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's it basically encompasses the entire county that Mm -hmm. we live in. And. Whenever one of the black moms said that she moved into a neighborhood and she was like one of the few black neighbors on the block and her white neighbors just started staring her down and she didn't know how to feel about that. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking, what if we decided to have a black parade and blast Beyonce on the up and down the street whenever a black person moved into our neighborhood to let them know that, hey, you are here. We see you. You are not alone. And so I think having access to social media the way that we do now can be used as a tool that helps Mm -hmm. us realize that we aren't alone. And that could be the new form of the green book, which is um, Uh the travel guide for black people as they move from city to city and went to visit, they knew where it was safe to go and where it was safe to travel. So let's just say an example would be you driving from Dallas to Austin and you're having to go through some of those sundown towns and there are black families in those sundown towns that can say, hey, I'm going to look out for you. This is where you need to go. This is where you need to stop. This is where you're going to feel protected. We understand that this person is following you. Shoot a message to this person or this group in this area so that they know that you don't feel safe driving down here and someone can help guide you. That's just, I know that's interesting.
0: You may have just created an app idea. You might
1: want to go Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, just, serious, I, think... I mean, at least in very much in the South, some place like Texas, where when you're driving, it's common to drive from one major city to another major city, but that's hours of driving, kind of right. feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. So to be able to know, you know, I might not feel that comfortable, like if someone's following me driving to the police station because I don't know what I might Absolutely. encounter. But to know, you know, well, here's a friendly face, a black family. <laughs> that I right. can drive to where I feel a bit more protected. I'm telling you, that might be an app idea. Okay.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it just might be, but I really feel like I personally, the reason why I think of things like that, because I personally miss the idea of knowing my neighbors. Um, I think as we've gotten older, as millennials, we're more connected online, but they're, we're not as connected in person. And now with the Rona being in place, we're definitely not as connected in person. But there is a longing for it. So in the black moms right. group, whenever there's someone coming in uh to the neighbor to the county, they're like, Hey, I'm new here. I have certain I have this age level kids. We want to connect with other black families. That right there is a door opening saying, Hey, you're moving in, let's go bring you something to eat, let's put a sign on your yard or something like that to say, Hey, we're a part of the uh black moms group. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking out for you. This is a safe space mm-hmm. for you. That That type of thing, just visual representation.
0: What I love about um, the idea of using connectiveness as a form of of protection is the fact that at the end of the day, you're never going to be 100% safe and having a gun or a stun gun or pepper spray or even being trained from a self-defense class isn't guaranteeing your safety. Um, So I like the idea of looking at and exploring other ways to make you feel safe because the feeling of being secure and safe is really about your mental protection, right? It's how, right. You're, how you're thinking about and processing your experience and your environment at that time and moment. So when you can think of different types of ways to kind of build this more feeling of security and protection, I think that is awesome. So I love the idea of kind of connecting with groups, um, rethinking how we connect with those we live near and our neighbors. Right. so um just to close it out um because the conversation and the trending topic that we broke down was about gun ownership um i will share just a few more facts so since march of this year close to Three million firearms have been purchased in the United States, including a 50% increase in sales for June when the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests began across the country. And the largest increase has come from us, Black men and women. Now, I'm not a gun owner, nor a member of either of the following organizations, so I cannot endorse or vouch for either. But if you are interested in connecting with Black Firearm Associations, you might check out the Black Gun Owners Association or My Sister's Keeper Defense.
1: Thanks for taking the time to listen to the So For Us podcast. Be sure to check us out on your favorite social media sites using the at so For Us podcast handle like comment leave a review send us a trending topic you'd like us to discuss and don't forget to hit the subscribe button we'll talk to you soon in the best place that is so for us